It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. Oh, we'll rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of freedom. We will rally from the hillside, we'll gather from the plain, shouting the battle cry of freedom. Good morning. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on K News 98.5. I'm your host, lawyer Stu Jenkins. I've practiced law in San Luis Obispo County since 1978 and served as Superior Court Special Master, Judge Pro Tem, and as an elected Harbor Commissioner at Port San Luis. I counsel and represent folks for estate planning, real estate law, and government or election law matters. Today, I am ably assisted at the control board by Joe Cordoza. This week's Saturday program gives you a window into the crossover between local San Luis County public policy decisions and the law. I bring you the officials, lawyers, and activists influencing decisions made on your behalf by local government and courts. But before we go into talking with our guests, I want to give you a little perspective on last week's show. We had two wonderful guests, uh, John Hammond, the vice mayor of Paso Robles, and Lanny Ebenstein, the president of the California Voting Rights Project. And they both had a lot to say, but the one area where they crossed over had to do with uh, cities and school districts and public entities being required to elect their boards and councils from specific districts. Uh, the vice mayor of Paso Robles had worries about uh, about representatives uh, only being concerned for their own district instead of a whole city. But the uh, president of the Voting Rights Project, I thought, had the better argument, which was that uh, representative districts give people an advocate in each geographic part of a city or school district or agency like the Port San Luis Harbor Commission. So that's my take on that. And uh, now let's uh, let's get into today's program. Uh, in our lineup today, during the first hour, we are breaking away from our usual format in honor of St. Patrick's Day weekend with one of my oldest friends, attorney Mike Nolan. In our second hour, we are speaking with Karen Veely, ace investigative reporter at calcosnews.com. She's got a big story coming out today about the continuing battle between the Coastal Commission and the Friends of the Oceano Dunes and insights into changing leadership at the county. But let me now introduce Mike Nolan. Mr. Nolan was born in San Luis Obispo, attended Mission and San Luis High Schools, attended Cal Poly and graduated from Western State University College of Law, my alma mater. Right out of law school, though, before even taking the bar exam, Mike sued San Luis County when it canceled, yes, it canceled, the election of supervisors. He successfully obtained a writ of mandate to compel the clerk to hold the election. Mike now practices law in Yolo County and is an expert in the history of Mexican land grant law in California. 
but today we are talking about the Irish in San Luis Obispo County in California. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, Mike. Well, it's good to hear from you, Stu. Thank you for having me. Always good to have you. Um, I thought we would talk about some of the, uh, the significant figures in San Luis Obispo County history who were Irish immigrants or of Irish lineage. And I know you, uh, you have uh, given this a careful study. <laughs> Who'd you like to start with? <laughs> First of all, the, the, um, I remember the, uh, <clears throat> we once had the um, member of the Board of Equalization, uh, George R. Riley, who had a, a green shamrock thrown into his lapel. <laughs> and he, uh, my dad uh, said that he once came and gave a talk to the school at Cal Poly. He was on the Board of Equalization for 44 years. Wow. And uh, before that, he was a supervisor in, uh, in San Francisco. And um, at a time when the board was suffering from, uh, well, one of the board members fled to Mexico and, and because of some irregularities dealing with money. And at the end, my dad looked at him and talked to him in front of the students. My dad asked, I've got one more question, and it's going to be a tough one. Riley started to, he said he looked all of a sudden scared. And he said, uh, this is a simple question. Shouldn't the day after St. Patrick's Day be a holiday? (laughs) (laughs) Which he agreed, yes. St. Patrick's Day should not be a holiday. But the day after, yeah, I think so. (laughs) Now, your dad was Tom Nolan, and he was a professor of political science at Cal Poly, wasn't he? For 25 years, yeah, yes, sir. And uh, the man who hired him was Julian McPhee, another Irish from um, uh, San Francisco, who uh, came down and became the, uh, uh, the, well, basically the guy who built uh, Cal Poly into a, into a real university. Uh, he retired in 1967, but it was, um, uh, he, was, he was there for over 30 years, and that's why his name is on the, the student union. Well, and he was succeeded by Robert Kennedy. There's another Irishman. Another Irishman. <laughs> no, no, and his name is on the library. That's true. <laughs> I think uh, McPhee would prefer the uh, student union because that was uh, that's a place with more fun than. Uh, <laughs> well, sure. He was from San Francisco, but his, you know his family is still in the uh, uh, you know. Uh, you know, lived in San Luis Obispo uh, for a long time, and uh, his daughter, but I know her well, uh, uh, Karen Norton. And uh, it goes into the um, the number of Irish in San Luis Obispo County from the very early time. It uh, was kind of always uh, interesting. But before we get into that, I just want to tell you one you're, thing you're, about our... You're fading out, Mike. I don't know what's happening with your phone. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes, well... One thing I have to say is that uh, St. Patrick was, uh, well, Patrick was not his name at birth. As students of St. Patrick know, his name was Maywin Duckett. <laughs> and in fact, and, he was a Welshman. Well, the Welsh claim him, the English claim him, the Celtics, the Celtics claim him, Brittany claims that he came from there. There was a... Ah. Uh, quite a, everybody says that they wanted him, but 
before uh, he was, uh, uh, you know, he was uh, uh, captured by the Irish raiders when he was living in what is now England, but Britain at the time. Back in the 5th century, he was still a Roman, still had the sense of a Roman province. And uh, he had been uh, in um, prison, or no, he'd been stuck shepherding sheep and things for about six years until he escaped, got back home, and then he decided that he had a calling to come back and uh, convert the Irish uh, to Christianity. But to do that, he had to go to Rome and uh, to get the blessing of the, uh, the Pope. And the Pope, when I, it, you don't know this, what they, but I, I have a suspicion that the, when he got to the Vatican, they said, Maven? Maven? You're, you're fading out here a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Maven. That's not a name that's going to win you support. We'll call you Pat Patricus or Patrician in uh, Latin. And Patricius is where the name, or Patricus is where the name Patrick comes from. Well. Yes? So it was, a, so it was a Latin word first. It was a Latin word first, and uh, it became very successful. The, I have read where the name Patrick became very popular because of the um, uh, Irish national leader in the 17th century named Patrick Sarsfield who in the, uh, uh, the Battle of the Boyne uh, and was, uh, was a supporter of King James II. And uh, he got honorable terms to surrender. And the interesting thing is he was Protestant. He wasn't Catholic. But after, after Sarsfield and he, he left, um, the name Patrick became more popular. I'll be. Well, for those yeah. just tuning in, this is your host, lawyer Stu Jenkins at Slow County Public Policy and the Law, KNews 98.5, and we are speaking today with attorney Mike Nolan about the history of the Irish. <laughs> yeah, the history of the Irish. and in, in, uh, Of course, what happened is the Irish kind of uh, always have been kind of raiders, when they couldn't raid, they kind of went to other parts of the world. And one of the spots that uh, people from Ireland arrived at very early on was in um, during uh, the uh, in the eighteen in the nineteenth century was California, and it became a very popular destination. As it was, the uh, uh, U.S. Army, the United States Army General Bennett Riley, was Irish, and he was the uh, acting governor of the uh, California after it was acquired from Mexico. And he uh, called the first state constitutional convention to draft the 1849 constitution of the state. Now you've, you've read through the uh, constitutional, well, the, the records of the constitutional convention, I know that. Uh, was there a significant Irish contingent in the uh, first California constitutional convention? Yes, there was, and there was a lot of people who were... Uh, uh, Mike, you're uh, fading out. Can oh, you make I'm, sure your right, phone is got... close by? <laughs> Try not to fade out. But the, uh, there, was a, there was a very large Irish people from Ireland 
who came either to the United States or directly from Ireland. And um, again, they were from, they were Catholics, they were Protestants, all different kind of religions. But the, uh, uh, um, in San Luis Obispo County, you had these, um, we've talked about this, where, for instance, the Mala family uh, in San Luis Obispo descends from an a, a Irishman who came to San Luis Obispo and married into the, uh, uh, the Spanish family in San Luis Obispo. And um, that family is, you know, you had... Uh, uh, that was the Dana family, wasn't it? A very strong presence. Wasn't that the Dana, was, the Dana family? No, that's the Mala. Mal, but Mal, when Mala married into a local Spanish family, wasn't that the Dana family? No, or, I think, well, no, I think it was Carrillo. The Carrillos, okay. Yeah. Dana was a sea captain from Boston who married into the Carrillo family as well. And these families were, and still are, there's just the extended relations all over um, San Luis Obispo County. And they're, they're the uh, uh, you know, founding pioneers, if you want, of the, um, of the county. And they, the, the, um, the Spanish and the Mexican came over land, but the Irish came by sea. And the, uh, so uh, when I was a kid, the first... Uh, I remember meeting as a little child. My dad took me into the county clerk's office, and the county clerk was A.E. Mike Mella. And I remember meeting him, and he looked, uh, well, he was an older gentleman. But then I saw that his, uh, the A in his name was Alfonso, because he was, um, there is, he, he was a bit Irish. He had the Irish last name, but uh, he had uh, the... The family had intermarried with all the uh, original settlers in California. Sure. Yeah. So he was Alfonso Enrique Mala. That's right. That's exactly right. Just call me Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, so San Luis Obispo has a has a great uh, 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 tradition on that, and it's. Um, one of the uh, reasons also was when the railroad came through in 1893 that the, um, to San Luis Obispo City, and be it became a uh, railroad town at that time because of the, you had to change the um, locomotives to push uh, trains up the Cuesta Grade. And the, um, that brought a lot of Irish people who had worked on the railroad. And one of those was um, the family of Timothy I. O'Reilly, who was, uh, again, when we were children, was the um, uh, Superior Court judge in San Luis Obispo County and was there for about 18 years until his uh, death in 1978, I believe. I actually uh, met Timothy I. O'Reilly a number of times, and he was kind enough to... Uh send in a number of letters on my behalf to various law schools. And uh, a very, very uh, cordial and uh, thoughtful judge, I must say. Well, I remember his, uh, in his obituary, they quoted that he often would say that being judge was really great because uh, in the courtroom, everyone does what you say. Everyone follows your wish. There's a court clerk and a bailiff and 
and everyone's looking at you. You're on stage, and you control the courtroom completely. And he said after a day in court, he felt pretty good. Then he'd go home, walk in the front door, and then his wife uh, was, um, again, another old family from San Luis Obispo. Uh, he'd hear her say, Tim, you forgot to take out the garbage. <laughs> and he real he said, that was always good because it brought him back down to earth as soon as he got home. You know, before he was judge, he was uh, mayor of San Luis Obispo City, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, he was uh, mayor. And um, uh, the, uh, his interesting, the interesting thing that he had was that the, uh, uh, the federal government had built the Salinas Dam to create Santa Margarita Lake. And it supplied to supply water to Camp San Luis uh, Obispo. And, um, you know, where Cluster College is now, and uh, where the, um, the National Guard uh, is stationed. And the, um, after the war, when he was mayor, he saw that the um, federal government offered, was going to sell the dam to the county for a dollar. And at the last minute, he put in a bid for, on behalf of the city for $10,000. <laughs> which which halted the sale, and the his point was he wanted to secure a water supply for the city of San Luis Obispo, and uh, if he, and he was able to do that so that the city was able to acquire the dam over Santa Margarita Margarita Lake and take water from there and supply the city. You know, that's a, that's a huge resource for the city of San Luis Obispo. Um, they, there's an uh, easement and a pipeline that goes from the dam all the way to uh, just above Cal Poly and then into the city of San Luis Obispo. Uh, it, it now, I understand, is starting to generate electricity again from hydroelectric uh, um, elements within that pipeline. That's right, and, and uh, one thing you want to see, if you could look up the Paso Robles Press when Tim O'Reilly died, that was, that was how their obituary went. This man stole our water. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember the, uh, uh, O'Reilly worked very hard as a, uh, as a young boy, grew up in San Luis Obispo, uh, worked on the, as a young boy of the railroad, kind of, uh, um, he had the great stories about growing up that way. He went to law school, and um, he passed the bar, but I remember him telling me that he couldn't go back and work in San Luis Obispo. He had to go and, um, because if he, I, he said, if I did that, I'll always be Timmy. And he wanted to go somewhere else to learn the profession. So he went up to uh, uh, Glen County in Northern California and became a uh, 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 city attorney up there, and um, then he said a vacancy opened up in the police court, and uh, the uh, his friends were able to secure his uh, appointment as a police court judge in the township of San Luis Obispo. So that that so way he, he could come, come home and not be Timmy anymore. What? That way he right. could come home and not be Timmy anymore, right? Exactly right, and the. Um, uh, uh, that's one thing that you've done is you, you didn't have to do that. You, after law school, went straight back to San Luis Obispo and have uh, 
No one ever called you Timmy. <laughs> you, you were always Mr. Jenkins. <laughs> well, thankful. I'm thankful for that. Well, we've got uh, a couple of things coming up, folks. Uh, we're going to be taking a break in just a few minutes from the first part of our segment. have to do some business, you know. And uh, But stay tuned because after that, uh, Mike Nolan is going to be back with more history of the Irish in San Luis Obispo. And, uh, of course, uh, Mike and I go a long ways back. We, uh, we together uh, registered voters all over this county. Um, in fact, uh, there, there's one little town we uh, registered voters in, and uh, I, I'm happy to say that we each registered about 16 uh, ladies of the evening to vote, and they were anxious to be involved in politics. Mike, you, um, you had some other ideas about uh, historic folks that have uh, been Irish and contributed to the city of San Luis Obispo or the county of San Luis Obispo. Yes, yes. The, 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 uh, well, let's see. The, if you, if you, if you, it's really kind of funny because there's so many Irish that came in and uh, came into California and just this was their, their land of opportunity. And San Luis Obispo was a small little spot where you could thrive in, um, in commerce or in uh, uh, ranching or uh, the, um, in agricultural pursuits. And remember that, you know, the Irish generally were was an agricultural country. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, cattle raising and, and, and other raising of animals. So that the idea of a pastoral California was very attractive. We think of Irish as living in New York and, you know, big cities. But that was, that was a really a real change for the immigrants who came into uh, the United States. And then later, when California became part of the, state, of the United States, uh, came into San Francisco. And you had a very uh, a large Irish population in the city that um, kind of spread all over the state. So, so I would say that the, you have uh, a number of families. Murphy was uh, one of the first uh, state senators from San Luis Obispo uh, County uh, and had a large ranch and was able to purchase the uh, Rancho Santa Margarita, and the, and, but had interests throughout the state. And we are speaking today with attorney Mike Nolan on the history of the Irish in San Luis Obispo County. Stay tuned after the break. Mm -hmm. 